This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Former Kansas big man Silvio DeSosa is going to join us in this episode. Now with UT Chattanooga, hoping to bust some brackets this weekend. I don't know if anybody's had a more interesting and drama-filled Kansas career, save Wilt Chamberlain, than Silvio did. And I'm really excited to talk to him. He is one of the most thoughtful young men I've ever spoken to, at least in terms of basketball players. I loved covering him at Kansas. Really excited to talk to him this week as well. We're going to end with some stereotypical bracket talk. So I know you may be burnt out on that at this point, but you know what? I watch a lot of college ball, so if I can help you just a little bit, if there's any final questions you may have about that bracket, and there's any valuable information you may be able to glean, I'd like to present it to you. But I want to start with maybe a 30,000-foot view of this Kansas team. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, a college basketball podcast. Two national guys are sort of going through the bracket, and they come up across Kansas. And at one point, somebody said, you know, this Kansas team, even though they're a one seed, doesn't really feel like a typical Kansas team. It doesn't feel like the talent level on this team is on par with what we're used to seeing under Bill Self. You know, that's probably true. They haven't had a top five recruiting class the past couple of seasons. They haven't been littered with one and dones and NBA prospects. And if you were to put this team up against the team from two years ago in 2020, they're probably getting run off the floor. And I don't even know if they can hang with the 2017 team, the 2016 team. Hell, they're probably not hanging with 2010, 2011, and they're certainly not going up against that 2008 national championship team. You know, the fortunate thing about that situation is that I don't think KU is going to have to go up against any of their former iterations. Unless Mark Emmert is to invent a time machine and completely change the format of the NCAA tournament, which honestly, the NCAA... They move pretty slowly, but they also seem to surprise us from time to time. Back to that podcast. When one guy said that, the other guy said, yeah, you know what? I think this might be Bill Self's best coaching job. Because you're right. 
they don't have the talent that you're used to. And the fact that he's gotten them to this point, 28-6, and six, Big 12 champs, Big 12 tournament champs, and a one seed, he deserves a ton of credit. And it reminded me of the way that we constantly vote for coach of the year. And this isn't just a college basketball thing we do it in all of sports. It's a very simple, simple formula, year in, year out. You want to figure out who the coach of the year is going to be? Find out the team that we didn't think was going to be very good in the preseason that ended up being good, and we all just sort of look around and say, Welp, must be coaching. Listen, Bill Self's a Hall of Famer, and I don't doubt that he didn't have a lot to do with the reason why this team is a one-seeded in a very good position to make a run to New Orleans in April. But the reason why Kansas is a one-seed isn't because... Bill Self coached a a ragtag bunch of misfits into one of the best teams in the country. Bill Self isn't the reason that Ochai Abaji completely transformed his game and turned himself into one of the top five players in the nation. Nor is he the reason that Christian Brown took a massive leap forward in his third season. Nor is he the reason that Jalen Wilson was able to recreate himself and find a new role as perhaps the most talented glue guy I've ever seen. Again. He had parts to do with that. But he's not the reason these kids became the guys that they are. Kansas isn't as good as they've been in recent years. This is not the best Bill Self team that we've ever seen at KU. But outside of Gonzaga, Kentucky, and maybe Arizona, who's dealing with a major ankle injury to their starting point guard, tell me which teams have a better shot of cutting down the nets than Kansas does this year. Let's hop in Mark Emmert's time machine. Let's go back to 11 months ago, after the season when Bill Self said, on the heels of a loss to a a more explosive, longer, more athletic USC team led by Evan Mobley, when he said, we need to get longer, we need to get quicker, we need to get more explosive, more athletic. That's what they did in the offseason. They went out and got Remy Martin and Joe Yesifu, guys who brought athleticism, quickness, and explosiveness at the guard spot. Now back to reality. Those guys have played useful roles at times, and Remy Martin was certainly big for Kansas in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City last weekend. But those guys aren't the reasons why KU is a number one seed. The the guys who are the reasons are the guys who were already on the team last year. And I already mentioned them. Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson. Imagine that. Imagine that you set out to change your team in a very fundamental way. We need to get more athletic. We need to get more explosive. And for the most part, you are exactly as athletic and exactly as explosive as you were a season ago. Yet instead of being a lackluster, hey, we're still Kansas, so we're sort of in the mix team, you are a lackluster, hey, we're still Kansas, but we're definitely in the mix, and you know what? We may just go to the Final Four team. What gives? Everybody deserves credit across the board. The players, the coaching staff, but more than anything else, you're a product of the teams around you. We need to get away from comparing Kansas to former Kansas teams. Well, they're not as good as they were in 2020. Well, Bill Self hasn't gotten some elite recruits in quite some time. You know, this FBI investigation has certainly hindered them on the recruiting trail. 
All of those things may be true, and exactly none of them matter. I've been right there next to everybody else who has said this team does not have Final Four vibes all season long. Then the Big 12 tournament happened. Then I saw Kentucky lose. I saw Gonzaga go up against the ropes and lose to St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago. I saw Arizona's starting point guard go down with a disgusting ankle injury. I've seen Baylor lose two of its top players. Somebody please point out to me the big bad wolf in college basketball this year. Who is the immovable object that Kansas simply will not be able to overcome? I'm not saying they're infallible. I'm not saying they're going to the Final Four. I'm not even saying they're going on any sort of significant tournament run. But this team can go as far as any other team in the country. And I do think they have a great draw. I think the the selection committee certainly did them favors. Hashtag no complaining. Everybody thinks KU fans complain about the draw every year. This is not going to be one of those years. But even if they had a tough draw, even if they had Kentucky as their two seed and Purdue as their three seed, I'd still be looking at this team as a legitimate Final Four contender. And it's not because this is the best version of the Bill Self Jayhawks we've ever seen. The biggest thing that Kansas has going for it is that Mark Emmert's still working on that time machine. KU's not going to have to compete against any team from its past. They're not going to be playing any games against ghosts. They're only going to be playing against what the rest of the country has to offer. And based off what I've seen... There ain't that much to be scared of. Let's just talk about this season. You had to take a year off. You end up at Chattanooga. Yes, sir. What's this season been like for you? It's been great. It's been great. You know, just uh, like you say, I had a year off. And then just, you know, thinking about that, I, I, have, I have the opportunity or I got the opportunity to do it again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been great. It's been being like full of happiness and uh no i'm just i'm just thankful for having you know to do what i what i love to do which has been great and uh you know just enjoying enjoying the time in the moment yeah like when you started this season how long had it been since you had played in a basketball game like a college basketball game it would be two years yeah oh two years and so and something two and a half i would probably think did you doubt at some point if you were going to be able to play college basketball again? It was crazy because some some days I would think like, "Damn, a college career is it's over." But then some days, like you know, I would have that mindset knowing that you know, being as innocent as I was, as I knew I was at the time, it's really why I just kept kept my faith, you know, going, thinking that like I'm gonna get another opportunity because. Whatever it is that's going on right now, the truth will one day show up. And when they show up, I'm going to be ready to, to enjoy the, the day that I, that I wanted to have, which is like a new opportunity to play basketball. But most, most of the time, it was just like I, I was in a place that I didn't know if I were going to have another opportunity to be out here playing or not. But I was with God and I just kept on trusting and believing that he would put me in a better place. Why Chattanooga? What ultimately led you there? Oh man, it's a. Uh, I chose Chattanooga mainly because of the coach and uh, and uh, the Malakai. Now at the time I didn't know about the people, the community here and stuff. So it was just mainly because uh, Malakai and and the coach. The coach is super nice. You know, when I came on my visit, or even before that, my conversation with the coach was always great. You no, know, it wasn't all about just like 
you know, it was something, some kind of conversation that we wouldn't have. It had nothing to do with basketball. And sometimes when I would go to, I went to many other visits and like conversation with all the different coaches were basically the same. But when I had my conversation with Coach Paris, it was just like a whole different thing. And then when I came on my visit down here, Malachi and the guys here, they were just all like so nice. And, uh, you know, they, they really just made it a lot easier to decide where I want to be. And, uh, you know, it's, it has been the best, the best choice. Yeah, it seems like you're playing pretty free out there. Oh and, man! And they and they play it to it like it suits your style. Like you're athlete, you want to rim run, you want to get offensive rebounds, putbacks, and right, it seems right. like that's that's right in line with you what know, you do. That's what it is. You know, uh, it, there hasn't been a lot, of, a lot of many times that I was I was actually happy or enjoying just my time, and I'm finally having to do that here. And it's like you know, I have the opportunity. I don't have to wake up next day and be worried about anything. So I might as well just be happy and joy and have fun with it while I have it. And uh, that's what I'm doing. So it's it's a lot easier when you're here and just have nothing to worry about, just playing your game, you know, just try to play hard and uh, help your team, your team get whatever we need to be. I want to go back to the championship game the other night because mm-hmm. a lot of people probably – who maybe don't watch Chattanooga all year long, we're tuning in because it's conference tournament season. That was one of the best conference championship games oh, yeah. that, that game was, I have ever seen. The game was crazy. So when they score, when Furman scores with four seconds left, your coach doesn't call a timeout. And I'm thinking, I'm like, it's going to be tough to get a good look in four seconds. Right. And, you're talking about the most improbable buzzer beater triple teamed to probably about 40 feet away from the basket. You're on the court. You're on You're opposite, right? You're on the other side of the court watching all this go down. What's going through your head? Those final four seconds. Uh, first, when I looked at the clock and they were taking the ball out, the ball out of bounds, I said, whoever gets the ball, I'll just try to run all the way down and catch the message. And I can get the tipping. Cause I was, you know, I was just, I just, at the game at some point, I just wanted to, Get the rebounds, tipping, because that's those are the extra, extra possession that win games. So that that was my that's what I had in my head. But when Dave Batiste got the ball and kept on dribbling, I started running, and then I stopped at half to, uh, half court, and I was like, he's gonna take the shot. I know he's gonna take the shot because that's what he does. And uh, I swear to you, that ball was moving so slow. <laughs> the ball was moving so slow and when he made it I was I was shocked I, I didn't move I, I was just like in the same spot on the half court like the whole time I didn't move I could, he was just people running the referees blowing the whistles because they wanted to review the player or something I was just in the same spot for about like five minutes straight. no you fell down I saw the video I look at the video I watched that video a hundred times mm-hmm. And I, I look at you tough. and you're just laying down face up on the court like you couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it, man. It, it was it was crazy, you know, because man, he just he just felt so crazy because last time that I had this kind of feelings was this kind of emotion where was when I was in Kansas. When we won the Big 12 tournament. And uh, you know, it was 2018. It was a long time ago. But I guess, you know, this time even it feels even more like uh, uh, real 
because of everything I have been through throughout my years in college and just now to be here in this position and witnessing what, what happened this past weekend. It was just like, I can't believe it. At some point in my life, I thought, thought I, did, I wasn't going to have this opportunity again. And now I'm here and I'm winning and I'm winning it all. And it's just like, it's crazy. So I was just there, just reminiscing about everything in general. It was crazy. What do you remember about that that Big 12 tournament in 2018? Because that's when Doak was dealing with the knee injuries. Mm-hmm. And you got and Kansas didn't have a ton of big guys. And you didn't have a ton of, of experience at that point. Nah. But that was sort of your coming out party. That was, you know, I, 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 it's, it's always about next man up. And uh, I felt, you know, I understood that I was the next man up. So I had to had to step it up by the time of the Big 12 tournament. Doug not being able to play because of knee injury. So somebody had to had to take out, take control, take over, you know, and that's it's all just about like, you know, helping the team at the end of the day. And it was it was great. I was just wanted to give it all, enjoy time again. And that's what sort of when I watch you this year at Chattanooga, it reminds me of that March run in, in Kansas. And I don't mean this as a negative, but what made you so good in that March run is you didn't seem like you were thinking out there. And sometimes that can hurt younger players and experiences. You're always trying to be in the right spot and do the right thing. You were just sort of running around, flying around, being athletic. Besides, besides God's self, it was really just Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot would just tell me, just, you know, don't listen to it, coach. Just go out there and play your game. We know you're athletic. Just do that. That's, you know, just run up and down. If you run, you, you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to be out there more. Just be active. I know activity was the main thing. And that's all I tried to do. Just move all over the place, you know, set the screen, run, rebound. Rebound is really the main thing. And, uh, you know, that's what I had to do. It, it wasn't so hard. It was hard at first when I first came in. It was, it was difficult because everything was just moving so much faster than, than it did in high school. So I was always so lost and stuff. But then, once I figured it out, once everything starts to slow down, it was just like at the end of the day, I just have to run up and down and see what I can get. If I have the touch, then just attack the grass or or set the screen or just get get somebody involved. That's that's how I was trying to do. So you leaned on Mitch a lot that first year? That first year, Mitch life would help me a lot. I, I don't think any anybody ever helped me as much as he did on the court and uh Man, he he was great. Like all the, the plays I didn't know Mitch would see on the bench. I'm on the bench. I'm trying to like pay attention to the game, but Mitch would just stay say, like draw the plays every time, talk about see if you have to be here, you have to do this. And then this next play, just make sure you down there. He was just talking, just you know, that teach, teaching point. He was just trying to help me at the end of the day. And uh, it worked out perfect. It worked out perfect. What do you remember about that West Virginia game? Sagaba Kanate, which at the time, I mean, he was one of, if not the best big men in the country, especially on defense. And that was sort of the first time where you got a ton of run and it was maybe your best game of your, I mean, that was, I think you started eight for eight in that game. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, no. What I remember, the game, I, I like physical game. You know, when it's physical game, that's that's my that's I'm that's my area. You know, that's what I like the most. And uh, man, it was it was great. It was a great great time. And uh, 
just had to play my game, you know. I, was, I, I knew I was a strong guy and he was a strong dude. And so I was just like, you know, you know what? Well, today we're going to go against each other and we'll see who who's going to take the lead and who's going to, you know, who's going to play better. And uh, I just, you know, I, just, I was just trying to do whatever, play my game and just be physical. And majority of people, when majority of people, they don't, they don't like when, it, you know, a lot of contacts. And especially when you're like the stronger guy, you don't want to have a, you know, playing against another stronger, strong dude. And so that's what it was. I just had in mind that I had to go out there and, and play hard and use my physicality just to help me do whatever. I think the other game that people remember from your Kansas career was the Duke game because at the time with Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter, Carter. there was the idea that like that was the best front court in the country. Mm -hmm. And you guys didn't play. It was you and Doak, right? And then four little guards running around shooting threes. And there was this question like, how are they going to stop the Duke big guys? But that's different. Like those guys are built different than Kanate. Kanate is big, strong, and those guys were, were skilled. They knew like what, you no, know, what actually to do with the with the basketball. And uh, oh man, it's you no. Know, I will say though, the Duke game. I always wanted to play against Marvin Bagley, even in high school. Cause we were in, we were in the same class. I remember the time he was number one, and I was and I was number two. I always wanted to play him against him, you know. And uh, then he he went to college earlier the year before. I was like, ah, guess I won't ever play against him again. And then I had I had the chance to go early to college as well, and I ended up doing it. And then we got to March Madness. I think it was uh, at little eight something that we played them and uh i was like yeah this is the game i've been waiting for i have been wanting to play against marvin Bagley my whole career in, in high school and i was just you know i was just mentally and physically prepared for it and uh, you know even though it, they had advantage because it was too too they were playing two bigs at a time and it was it was difficult at first but then once i got it figured out it was just like the extra players hustle players know where they're gonna be you know, just being involved in everything they would do or they would try to score or whatever. It was just, it was a great game. I loved it. Loved it. It was probably one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic still. And I was watching some clips the other night and it was funny watching Malik and Svee have to like bang mm -hmm. in the post versus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> versus Bagley because you were like the oh, only big was, down there. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. You can go back and look at your box score. I don't even think you scored that much that game, but defensively, oh, like that's where you won the game, and this, especially in the second half when you just sort of out physicaled those guys. No, I just uh, not again. I think my my game there was just all about activity. You know, defensively, I can. I feel like I can. I can help the team really get like real good if I'm as long as I'm active on the the defense and, you know, just and that's what I always try to do, just kind of get, like, be active on defense and try to do whatever helps the team, it helps. Against Duke, that was one of the, you know, one of the best things I did. It was just, like, know where they come and then just box out, rebound, and just make sure they don't get anything on, on offense. 
how excited are you to be back in the NCAA tournament? Oh, man. It's a, uh, again, it's crazy to think because when I first start, started my college career, first year of college, I was there. Now I'm, I'm ending my college career and I'm going to be there. So it's, it's crazy after all and think that I'm going to be there. I just, you know, again, I've been trying to tell my teammates, listen, you think playing ball is fun? Let's make it to March Madness and you'll see how fun it is. And we're here. Now we're here. You know, I, uh, again, I'm just here to experience again and uh, live it all out there and uh, play, play our game and just have fun with my team. Yeah, are you the... Are you the only guy on the team with any tournament experience? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you nervous at all, or is it just more excitement to get back there? Like, is there any party no, that's I'm, like, man, I'm not. I'm not nervous at all. I'm just like really excited, especially like for for all the other guys on the team that never been there, guys that have been at school for so for so long, but they never got the opportunity to be there or even at the uh, windy conference like t- tournament or championship or anything like that. So it's, it, I'm just excited for them to be out there and hopefully you know, we are on the same page that we're not done and we, we're still trying to make it farther as far as far, farther we can. Yeah, so do you take on a leadership role now? Like, are you sort of the guy who's telling them what to expect? This is what you need to do this time of year? I, I try to do. I try to do. You know, uh, I think I'm more like a uh, vocal leader. I just talk and sometimes I try to, tell them what how it is because you know being with coach self you will learn a lot and that's 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 what i think i have learned so much to draw my years with coach self and uh since i got since i've been here i just try to tell guys like how it is or how i think they they should take and i think you know they have got themselves in the in the better place mentally and when it comes to game time or anything like that they they're more aware of everything else as of right now i just try to be like tell them like we're not done we had our time to have fun after the we won the, the conference tournament you know we gotta stay hungry for more so i just hope that everybody we are on the same page and a lot of kansas fans listening who may not have watched a ton of chattanooga this year that are going to be filling up brackets give the pitch why people should be picking Chattanooga in the tournament this year. Tell us about your team, how you guys play, what makes you guys such a good team? You know, I just think that we are a special group of team. You know, we just, as a team, we know what we, what we can do. You know, we know how good we can be. For other people, just being, sometimes being looked as a, as the underdog, it's, I think that's a great thing, I guess, but they don't really know who we are as a team. But, but now I hope they know that we actually like we're a really good team and we are we're capable of making like much more noise than just than just the South uh, SoCan tournament champs. But you know, for those of you who doesn't who don't know about Chanuga, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. You like being the underdog? I do. I love it. That's good. A little chip on your shoulder? You got nobody see you coming. Yeah. So is this is this uh, your last year for sure? This is my last year for sure. I, 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 I'm yeah. This is definitely my last year. So, what's going to be next for you? Do you know? No. Uh, so right now, I'm really just trying to you know, trying to finish the season the right way, and uh, um, and after that, we definitely uh, put out my name on the draft, and then just see how it goes from there. 
Well, man, I know a lot of people are uh, are happy for you. I saw KU social media going crazy. All the KU fans on social media going crazy when when Chattanooga watching that buzzer beater and and the success you've had has been fun watching you from afar, man. I'm super happy for you. Thank you. I appreciate you you taking some time with me and uh, best of luck in the tournament, man. I hope you guys can uh, we can bust some brackets. Thank you. Appreciate you and for Ken, for Jayhawks fans. You know, I, I hope you guys know that I'm forever Jayhawk. You know, I got you from Canada and I, and I love the Jayhawk community. And I love y'all. Thank you all for the support. All right, let's dive into this bracket a little bit. I'm not going to go through game by game, team by team, but I will go region by region, give you some overarching thoughts, maybe a few specific teams to watch, and uh, I'll give you my final four national championship picks. Let's start first with the West. Gonzaga's been the best team in the country all season long, and there's part of me that says, okay, I, how many times have I went into a tournament saying that about Gonzaga, saying this is the year that Gonzaga finally does it? I certainly did it last year, and for good reason. I feel like I'm going to do it again this year for a good reason. First and foremost, if Duke's your two seed, I just do not see how that team matches up and wins a game against the Zags. Now, their guards are down a little bit. They don't have Kispert. They don't have Suggs from last year, but they do have Chet Holmgren. I have questions about Holmgren as a pro. I don't know exactly how that's going to work at the next level, but in college basketball, there is nobody like him. And there is no team in the country who has an answer for that and what they're able to do with him, how he's able to move on the court, handle the ball, shoot. It's what he does defensively as a rim protector. He's incredible. It's going to be really, really tough for me to find a way to not put Gonzaga in the final four. I think Memphis is a really tough draw in the second round. Ever since Imani Bates left the program, they've been a completely different team. I mean, Memphis has been a legitimate top 15 team in the country the last month or so. The problem is they're a, they're a nine seed because they were so shitty to begin with and they have to face Gonzaga in the second round. I think people, gamblers know this. If you, and if you're, a, if you're a degen, then you know exactly how this works. But people see these 9-1 matchups and they think, okay, th- this team will roll. Like I don't know what the, the line will be for Gonzaga-Memphis. But just like to take it, for instance, if it's Kansas-San Diego State in the second round of the Midwest region, Kansas will probably be a three-point favorite. So these 1-9 matchups are not overwhelmingly weighted in favor of the one seeds. But I do think Memphis, who I do think will beat Boise State, they're just more talented. Boise State's older, more experienced. I don't know if I necessarily trust Penny Hardaway as a coach, but Memphis, super experienced. I do have UConn beating New Mexico, even though I think very little of Dan Hurley as a coach. Uh, They've just got some talent, and I think that'll be enough to get them through. Arkansas, I'm off Arkansas. I I know they play a very fun style of basketball. They like to run. Uh, But Vermont shoots a lot of threes, makes a lot of threes. Great coach. Vermont's my sleeper team. Honestly, Vermont, I think, is the only double-digit seed I have making it into the Sweet 16, which maybe I should rethink. Maybe I need to find another double-digit team. But I do have Vermont going to the Sweet 16. I'm chalked the rest of the way. Gonzaga over Texas Tech in the Elite Eight, and I got Gonzaga in the Final Four. In the East region, um, Baylor as the one seed. I, they're one of the weaker one seeds I can remember. Um, it's not because they're... 
the injuries have something to do with it. Like, Cryer is a big loss. I, I totally get that. Chamwachach was a big loss as well. Baylor's still a really solid team, but I just do not see them as being this overwhelming force. And maybe that's just a this more of an indictment on college basketball in general. And it probably is because I could probably make the exact same argument for Kansas, but I'm not going to. Baylor, I have losing to St. Mary's in the Sweet 16. St. Mary's is really freaking good. The West Coast Conference was really solid this year. I see St. Mary's going to the Elite Eight against Kentucky. Virginia Tech is a team to watch. I know that people will hop on Virginia Tech simply because they won the ACC and you see this team get hot in the conference tournament, and you say, wow, this team's pretty good. But Virginia Tech's been playing good basketball for a while. And them going up against Texas in the first round, who sort of fell apart down the stretch, Texas's defense is still really solid. I do not trust Chris Beard at all to run plays late in games. Like, if this comes down to the final four minutes, I'm taking Virginia Tech. They have experienced guards, and Chris Beard has sort of created this reputation for himself for not being able to dial up good offensive sets late in games. And I just I, I just don't get it. Like, Texas is the better team. Virginia Tech, though, over the last month has been playing better basketball than Texas has been. A quick aside on UCLA, by the way, as a four seed. You remember last year, they were the 11 seed playing game, go all the way to the final four, came back this year, weren't great to start the season. They're finally getting healthy their talent is better than a four seed. And that St. Mary's UCLA game is really interesting because there's a, there's a part of me that says the winner of that game, not only going to the Elite Eight, but I wouldn't be shocked if the winner of St. Mary's UCLA ends up going to the Final Four. The reason why I'm not going to pick that to happen is because of Kentucky. I've said for two weeks now I'm going to pick Kentucky as my national champion and they've given me several reasons to reconsider my position. But at the very least, I'm putting them in the Final Four. I have Kentucky beating St. Mary's in the Elite Eight. One game to watch out for, maybe the best game of the first round. That's 7-10 matchup between Murray State and San Francisco. San Francisco, another team. Really good. Analytics love them. I think Ken Palm has them in the top 25. They're athletic, and it's kind of tough to tell how that translates from that conference to going into the NCAA tournament. Probably enough to beat Murray State. Don't know if it's going to be enough to beat Kentucky. I just love Kentucky's stable of guards and, and, and obviously Oscar Sheeway down low. All right, South Region. This one's actually, to me, the hardest one to pick because it's there's always that one region where I have a difficult time finding the team that I'm in love with. I will say this. Arizona, all season long, has been the most exciting team to watch. I am a humongous Tommy Lloyd fan. I think that guy is going to have Arizona as one of the premier programs in the country for as long as he's there. Like the sets that he's running, and if you're not familiar, Tommy Lloyd, longtime assistant for Mark Few at Gonzaga, that what he's doing with Coloco and uh, Tubelis, I hope I'm saying that name right. They, 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 Arizona is on the all, I don't know how to pronounce your name team. Uh, their point guard, Creesa went down with the ankle injury last week. It looks really bad. They seem to be optimistic that he's going to be able to play at some point, but he just released a photo of what it looked like, and uh, that does not look like a guy who's going to be ready to go. 
Arizona, though, because they're always playing at 10 o'clock at night, I feel like a lot of people haven't watched them. It's the Pac-12. It's basically them and UCLA and everybody else. But that's how you amass a record of 31-3. and I think Arizona is the best offense in the country. I do. I know, um, I think Purdue is number one. No, Gonzaga is number one. Iowa's number two. Purdue's number three. This is Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency. Arizona ranks fifth. It's like basketball porn, and I hate saying that. That's such a hokey term to use, but the sets that they run and, and the way that they get the big guys involved and, the, and sort of the, the misdirection to steal a football term, it's fun to watch. Arizona is the most fun team in the country to watch. I do think if their point guard can get healthy, if Creesa can get out there and play 80%, it's tough for me to imagine anybody beating them because that's where I'm kind of at with him. It's do I want to have Arizona getting bounced in the Sweet 16 or do I want to have them winning the national title because they're that good? This is the chalkiest region I have. I do think Loyola is really good, not good enough to beat Villanova. They're basically just a worse version of Villanova. Uh, Chattanooga, shout out Silvio DeSosa, we just talked to. Obviously, I'm biased, so I'm going to have to put them through. Houston, again, like, just like last year, sort of undervalued. They're a five seed. Ken Palm has them as a top five team in the country. Now, they're not nearly as talented as they were a season ago, but Kelvin Sampson's got something going there. It's funny to me the way that uh, we just kind of sleep on Houston, but it's because of the conference they play in. But I'm putting Chattanooga over Illinois. Uh, no real reason, right? Silvio just came on the podcast. It's the least I could do. I have Arizona beating Tennessee. Tennessee's one of the hottest teams in the country. Tennessee's a, a borderline top five team. So this could be the best Elite Eight matchup because I think both Arizona and Tennessee are legit title contenders. I'm going to go, man, I don't know. Without Chris, this is what's so tough. If Chris is healthy, I'm putting them in the Final Four. I don't know that he's going to be healthy. I saw the ankle, so I'm putting Tennessee over Arizona into the Final Four and in the Midwest region. Um, let's just look at the first weekend because I think that's for Kansas all we should be looking at. They're playing the worst team in the in the in the whole tournament in the first weekend. We don't really have to do anything about that. I just hope that Kansas can win by like 30. That way Dave doesn't have to play 25 minutes. If David McCormick can play 15 minutes, that'll be a huge win for Kansas, especially going up against a team that just played on Tuesday, traveling across country on one day's rest to go up against the top five team in the country. There's a big difference between winning by 30-plus and winning by 15, and that's minutes and keeping guys fresh for that second game. As for that second game, everybody and their mom seems to think that San Diego State's going to move on against Creighton. I would tend to agree. San Diego State's actually been a really solid team this year, and they sort of profile to be the type of team that would give Kansas fits simply because they are long, they are athletic, they want to muck it up, they want to slow it down. Their offense is atrocious. They want to play this game in the 50s. Determining style of play and tempo is going to be what ends up winning this game. And I know because of the way that KU's played against TCU and other teams with length and size, it's a little bit scary to think about what they could do. But I would just go, again, go back to the offense, right? We always look at these teams and their strengths and the things that they're going to be able to do to impose their will on Kansas. What about the other way around? What about the number four team in the country, the number three team in the country going up against San Diego State? Like, think about the things they're going to do to them. 
they're going to shut down that offense. San Diego State has one scoring threat. I know they seem like a scary matchup. And quite frankly, like I said earlier, if they do get matched up, it's probably going to be a two or a three game spread. I'm sure, again, the Degens out there have already looked up the futures lines, but I would guess it's going to be a two or three game spread, uh, point spread. So don't be surprised if that game's close. I'm taking Kansas in that one. Iowa is sort of a, a sexy pick for a lot of people because we just saw them play and they won the Big Ten tournament. People wonder why aren't they seated higher. Uh, it's because their defense is dog shit. That's why. And history would tell us with teams like Iowa and Purdue who have these top three offenses, but defense is ranked outside of the top 60. There is a ceiling to what you can accomplish in the tournament. There just is. There just is. You can talk yourself into it however you want to, but like the data suggests, it doesn't suggest, it indicates, it tells you you're not going to a Final Four unless you're well-balanced. You don't have to be an elite defense. You don't have to be an elite offense, but you can't be terrible in either end. It's, this, it's the exact opposite story for Texas Tech, who may have the nation's number one defense, but they just really struggle scoring the ball. There's limitations to it. Not to say you're going to get bounced early, but it's really tough to, to win more than you know three games in March unless you can sort of pride yourself on both ends of the court. South Dakota State, shout out Zeke Mayo, Lawrence High School point guard. That's the number one three-point shooting team in the country. I actually think South Dakota State and Iowa could be a good matchup. In the second round, I'm, I'm going to put Iowa through just because of that offense. Keegan Murray's unbelievable. I don't know how South Dakota State is going to have any chance of slowing him down. So I'm going to have Iowa in there. Wisconsin's the worst three seed in the entire bracket. Johnny Davis is one of the five best players in the country. But that's like, imagine having one of the best players in the country and still having a really inefficient offense. That's Wisconsin. They're a really weak three seed. LSU, I don't believe in at all, but just by proxy because they would have to go through Iowa State than either Wisconsin or Colgate. I have LSU in the Sweet 16. Auburn, I'm, I'm pushing through. They've played some shoddy basketball as of late, but between Jabari Smith and, and Walker Kessler, I have questions about their guard play, but I think the bottom half of this region is really weak. So that's why I have Kansas and Auburn in the Elite Eight. It's not because I love both of these teams. It's not because I think they both have Final Four written all over them. It's because I don't think they have the toughest paths. If you're telling me the best teams standing in their way are Iowa and Wisconsin or LSU, it's a pretty easy path. That's why I'm going chalky there. And Kansas versus Auburn, ooh, it's tough. It's tough because, again, I don't know what the hell Kansas is doing against Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. But... As uh, my guy, Kevin Meckley, I think it maybe was Andrew Payne, Jayhawk Talk Radio, Wednesday, 6 o'clock, 610 Sports Radio. Feeling feelings. I'm feeling feelings. Hashtag vibes. KU's performance in the Big 12 tournament has me feeling vibes. What the hell? It's a KU podcast. What the fuck do you think I'm going to do? I'm putting Kansas in the final four. So my final four is Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, Kansas. I am going Kentucky and Kansas in the national championship game in New Orleans, rematch from 2012, and I've got Kentucky winning it all. I just think they're the most complete team in the country. Uh, they've got a good stable of guards. I know they're a little bit inexperienced. They're pretty inconsistent. But between the guards, the depth at the guard spot, and the two bigs down low, mainly Oscar Shibway, your national player of the year, I just think they're the most complete team in the country. So I'm taking Kentucky to win it all over Kansas. 
I will say this. Uh, if Creesa of Arizona is healthy, they're my backup pick. Because if I have them, if he's healthy, I think they go to the Final Four and they win the whole thing over Kentucky. So that's two brackets in one. That's not hedging my bet. You can't hold that against me because it's all based off an injury that I don't know how it's going to play out. But my official bracket, we'll go with my official bracket, Kentucky over Kansas in New Orleans, as much as it pains me to say. All right, there's your obligatory bracket talk. And that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we're talking more KU postseason basketball next week. We'll catch up on Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review. It's Wave in the Week. See you guys. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.